I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, March 29th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The White Sox are making a change in their official beer company. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, several closely watched reports are out today, including data on home prices, job openings, and consumer confidence. We're joined by Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist, Wells Fargo, based in Washington. D.C. Richard, thanks for joining us today. When we last spoke at 1020, we talked about uh, the uh, home prices rising nationally 19.2% year over year in January, and that's even higher than the December figure, and it's uh, pretty much evenly distributed all over the country, even though the warm weather markets are doing a little bit better. Um, does that mean that uh, you know the average American, the average American homeowner, uh, should they feel confident in the fact that they are on paper wealthier today than they were just a couple of years ago? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Let me just uh, correct an impression I might have made earlier. Uh, Not going up the same everywhere. You know, you've got some places with 10%, some places with 20%, some places with 30% price increases. All of them are rising. Everyone's getting richer, uh, but at very dramatically different paces. Uh, As you mentioned, the Sunshine area, it's Phoenix, Tampa, Miami, Dallas, and so on and so forth. They seem to be outpacing the rest of the country. People there are doing better in terms of their wealth accumulation, uh, but uh, very different. But everyone's everyone's doing well if they own a home. And the uh, employment front, uh, job openings uh, still near that record level that was set in February. Not much, not very many indications that the job market is cooling off anytime soon. And despite the segment we did yesterday about people uh, possibly having second thoughts after they quit their job, the quit rate is still near a record high. Oh, unquestionably, the labor market is super tight. We've got an unemployment rate of 3.8%, but in most respects, uh, uh, conditions, true underlying conditions uh, are even tighter than that number implies. Uh, the gap between the number of job openings that are out there and the number of unemployed workers is huge. It's about 5 million jobs. It's never been that large. Uh, so, uh, you know, for small businesses and other employers trying to recruit labor, they're going to have to pay up in a competitive market uh, because conditions are really just that tight. And then uh, when it comes to consumer confidence, we have talked about the number of uh, external factors that are weighing on the American consumer. We're talking about higher prices at the grocery store, just general overall inflation, uh, 14-year high gas prices, uncertainty about the war in Ukraine. Despite all of that, uh, the conference board index went up just a little bit, but it sounds like uh, the American consumer is feeling a little less optimistic about how things will look down the road. Well, that's absolutely true. And I got to tell you, this is the most puzzling of all the metrics you've been talking about. Uh, Confidence is 
moderate at best, not high, but we've got any kind. We just talked about home prices up almost 20% in the past year. Stock prices have been zooming. Uh, labor market is tight. Wages are increasing. Pretty much all the constellation of favorables is quite strong. The only negative, not to dismiss it, but the only negative is inflation is running hot. But you'd expect, I think, by most historical experience for confidence to be even higher than it is. Uh, and it just seems that these price increases are taking on some kind of disproportionate pain in people's experience. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist, Wells Fargo, based in Washington. Coming up, what's old is new at Chicago's Southside Ballpark. The White Sox and Chicago-based Molson Coors are entering a new marketing deal. Let's get the details now from Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Danny, thanks for joining us today. And uh, for uh, White Sox fans returning to the ballpark next month, they will discover that uh, what's old is new. Miller Lite, once again, the official beer of the White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox and Miller, I mean, really had a long history together. They were uh, marketing partners for 30 years. It was a brand of beer that you saw. It was really synonymous with with, uh, with games on the South Side. And they split up in 2017, uh, right when the Sox were kind of gutting their major league roster and rebuilding to what they've now uh, got. Uh, Miller didn't want to pay for the sponsorship then. And so the Sox had kind of uh, went a year without a big beer sponsor, and they did a deal with Anheuser-Busch for a few years. And now uh, Molson Coors and, and Miller Lite are back, and so you're going to see a lot of Miller Lite signage and other Molson Coors brands, including Line and Kugels and uh, their new hard seltzer brand, Vizzy, uh, out there. And that's that's uh, they're they're back onto uh, into on good on good terms, at least agreeing on value of what that sponsorship's worth. Now, Danny, as a, as a White Sox fan, I do have to say I enjoyed kind of the innovative marketing deals the White Sox did reach with some beer companies uh, to get fans through the depths of the rebuild in 2017 and 2018. Um, uh, reaching out to Modelo, which seemed like kind of a forward-thinking move as far as uh, uh, looking at Chicago. Uh, uh, potential fan base demographics. I did enjoy the site of the Goose Island out in right field, um, and I did enjoy that giant fiberglass goose that was uh, <laughs> proudly uh, staring down on everybody from uh, the right field concourse. So what happens to the Goose Island now that uh, Miller has a, a exclusivity as far as signage is concerned? Well, so the, the Goose Island... Uh portion there in right field is going to be a Miller Lite landing, and there's uh, the, the craft beer cave that they have below the right field bleachers is going to be the Lining Kugels craft cave, uh, craft lodge, I should say. I mean, these are certainly just new names and new brands on these things, um, and Modelo will still have a presence. Uh, the, the, this is, you know, unlike the previous deal that, uh, that Miller had, where it was for all the entire beer category, They've split it up this time so that, you know, uh, Miller Molson Coors has the official domestic beer and uh, official craft beer. But Constellation Brands, which makes Modelo, will still be the import beer. So you'll still see that brand and signage there. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a change uh, back to where they were. And I think, you know, you see Molson Coors wanting to make a, a move, realizing that their, head, their North American headquarters is here. They really ought to have a presence in the Chicago market on, uh, in terms of baseball.
And lastly, uh, Danny, what's going to happen to the uh, fiberglass goose? Uh, can, can I get my hands on it? Because I want to uh, put it in my backyard to uh, uh, amaze and terrify my neighbors. Uh, you know, they ought to they ought to look at auctioning that off, either for charity or maybe even to help finance a new acquisition. You never know. It'll it'll be uh, probably uh, auctioned off at the next uh, clubhouse sale in December. Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, exploring some of the more unusual market indicators, including one involving underwear. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Investors are always looking for an edge, including monitoring market indicators, but some of those fall under the category of unconventional. We welcome in Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Some of these unconventional indices uh, aren't necessarily confined to the world of finance. Uh, over the last two years of the COVID-19 pandemic, some people have uh, come up with something called the Yankee Candle Index for determining uh, whether or not we're in a new uh, wave of COVID-19 because uh, people leave one-star reviews for scented candles on Amazon uh, saying they can't smell them and it's a sign that uh, maybe they're experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. And Mark, what are some of the uh, other kind of unconventional indices that exist uh, inside the world of, uh, of the stock market and in market timing? Well, I mean, I, it'd be easier to try to <laughs> list those things that have never been used as a stock market indicator. It's amazing, as you indicated in the intro there, we're always trying to find something that uh, no one else has looked at. And so we look everywhere. And um, it's, it's really a shameless exercise because the uh, exercise is never statistically significant. It'd be like trying to go in and bet in the casino on the basis of uh, – something that's uh, completely erroneous or, uh, you know, irrelevant to what's going on in the casino. And, of course, you know that you'll end up losing if you try to bet on that basis. And it's no different in the stock market. I uh, One thing that uh, – one story I love to tell is that there was a, a researcher at Cal uh, Caltech a number of years ago who set out to find the statistical series in the world that is most correlated with the Standard & Poor's 500. And so he got all those grad students to look through – just reams and reams of statistics and found that the one that was the most correlated was butter production in Bangladesh. And of course, I think everyone can realize that the Bangladeshi butter production has nothing to do with the stock market. But nonetheless, from a statistical point of view, you'd say, well, that you ought to be looking at that to decide whether to be in or out of the stock market. So a lot of people are playing the game, but it's a game that we're all going to lose if we try to follow it. And, and this isn't just uh, uh, uh cranks or 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 sweaty gamblers or people who are desperate to find a data point uh, everybody enjoys playing this game and that includes uh, the former chair of the federal reserve uh alan greenspan who said he subscribes to a theory called the men's underwear index and that you can gauge the health of the economy uh based on the uh the the ebbs and flows of of men's underwear purchases well, I mean, I, I hope, uh, I hope that I, I, I've heard that story and I hope Alan Greenspan was uh, saying it tongue in cheek. If he was serious, my opinion of him has gone way down <laughs> and may end up explaining why the, uh, the U.S. economy is not as in good a shape uh, from the many years he was the head of the Federal Reserve because, of course, these things have no statistical significance. Another way to think about how irrelevant they are is, and I did this once, I took about 20 or 30 of these off the wall indicators and uh, I lined them up 
And uh, it turns out about half of them said you should be in the market, and the other half said you should be out of the market. And so you could just take your pick. But again, they uh, have no validity. Well, thanks for joining us, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. I'm going to go look up uh, butter production in Bangladesh right now, see how we're doing. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, we're getting a dose of adventure with your next trip. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Russia says progress is being made in talks with Ukraine. Details coming up in a special report from CBS News. In Travel Tuesday, a return to business travel is largely being driven by small and medium-sized companies. Corporate travel transactions are up significantly over the past two months. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 109 points. The NASDAQ is up 159. The S&P 500 up 23. AccuWeather says cloudy, breezy, and chilly with a little bit of rain later on. A high of 43 upper 30s along the lakefront, 38 at O'Hare, 39 degrees at Midway, 36 degrees at the lakefront under cloudy skies at 1231. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. CBS News Special Report. Another round of peace talks today. Ukrainian and Russian representatives met in Turkey. On the status of those talks, CBS's Holly Williams is in Ukraine. Russia says that they will cease military operations in the Ukrainian capital, Kiev. Meanwhile, Ukrainian forces continue to claw back territory from the Russians, recapturing the town of Erpin near Kiev and Trostinets in the east, according to Ukraine's military. United Nations is calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. An immediate humanitarian ceasefire to allow for progress in serious political negotiations aiming at reaching a peace agreement based on the principles of the United Nations Charter. Secretary General Antonio Guterres stresses there must be a political solution, but in the meantime, a ceasefire is needed to get crucial aid in and civilians out. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacey Lynn. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in plus territory. We're joined by Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, National Securities, based in New York. Art, thanks for joining us today. The markets are still higher, uh, but they have trimmed some of their gains uh, compared to earlier in the trading session. And in fact, uh, now the Dow is up just 99 points. What was moving the market this morning? Well, I think that the the potential for an off-ramp to the Ukraine-Russia war clearly is going to usurp just about any news that we have. And you're seeing the the usual suspects react the way they should if that, in fact, is the news of the day. So the defense stocks certainly coming down a bit, as is the price per barrel of oil. And energy-related companies, you know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where we've got a tenuous belief that good news may be coming out of the true stocks and we're moving in the right direction. And certainly that's 
started to manifest itself in markets over the course of the last two weeks. We've been up for two weeks. We've been up for three days in a row. Um, and, and clearly that comes on the heels of being down for five weeks at the you know beginning uh, of the, the Russian movement to the Ukraine border. So I think we've got a market here that is pricing a lot of bad news and uh, is, is showing that it can react to good news if, in fact, good news happens to uh, manifest. And the first two months of the year, January and February, were just a complete, you know, you, you saw a great deal of uh, selling on the in the major financial markets uh, on concerns about interest rate hike, concerns about inflation, concerns about uh, the military buildup on Russia's border with Ukraine, then the invasion, then the actual war itself. But it looks like that investors have uh, clawed back some of those losses and uh, were we're very close to making all that up. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. So the biggest headwinds we're facing this year, which you just listed off, inflation and how aggressive the Fed will need to be to tamp that down, and then the potential for a military incursion by Russia into Ukraine, were certainly things that were being priced in, I would argue, for the entire month of December and following through in January and February. So none of this was new to us when we got our first rate hike in, in March at the, the March 15th meeting. And then certainly the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine um, made sense to us because they moved 190,000 soldiers and all of their equipment to the border. So the market does a pretty efficient job of being a forward pricing mechanism. So I think some of that news got priced in. And as a matter of fact, we likely get to price in some worst case scenarios and then have to back that off a bit when the reality hits and we realize perhaps we went too far in one direction. So I think that's happening in a lot of ways. The stretch trade to the downside was technology. That's bouncing back a bit. The stretch trade to the upside was energy and that's pulling in a little bit. So I think this is a market uh, you know, trying to have some mean reversion as we adjust to the new news that we have in front of us. ADP jobs report comes out tomorrow. The uh, BLS report for uh, hiring in the month of March is on Friday. Uh, in, in a different time, I know generals always fight the last war and economists and journalists, for that sake, uh, always look at the uh, what was called the jobless recovery from 2008. And you remember those uh, those jobs reports days where it was always 15,000, 20,000. And if it was a really good one, it was like 100,000 new jobs. And then you look at some of these new figures, 600,000, 700,000, 250,000, numbers that were not seen to be possible. Um, it, does that still have the power to move the markets or are these massive job gains now old news? Well, it's such a great question. And I would say it's, it is important, but not as important as the inflationary reads that we get. So for the last 10 or 20 years, you and I have probably seen the jobs number as being the most important piece of economic data in any given month. And largely that held true uh, until we had a change in uh, monetary policy. And now every piece of news that we get on inflation is more important to us. We'll get one of those tomorrow. The personal consumption expenditure number, the PCE gets uh, a readout tomorrow. We'll pay attention to that uh, more than we pay attention to the ADP and certainly more than we pay attention to the jobs number. Why is that? The Fed has two mandates. One is full employment and the other is stable prices. Right now they have or are near full employment, but we clearly don't have stable prices. So investors are more interested in the path of inflation than they are necessarily to the path of the improving labor market. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, National Securities, based in New York. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, embracing your adventurous side when you take a trip.
Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. Sometimes a trip can be about relaxation, and on other occasions you might want to go step outside your comfort zone. Let's talk about the latter with Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, the website travelbta.com. Angie, thanks for joining us today. There are sometimes you want to go to the all-inclusive resort, uh, sit next to the pool with an adult beverage and a book, and just relax, and then there other times you want to go out there and embrace your inner Hemingway. Uh, how can you do that without, uh, and, and also make sure you return in one piece? Right. And it certainly depends on your level of experience with adventure travel. I mean, it can be scary to venture someplace new or far away like Alaska or South America. But if you really want to add that element of adventure, you can do so on different levels. There's easier versus more difficult types of hiking experiences or trips that involve kayaking and other sports. So you definitely want to measure your activity level and determine if that's the, if the itinerary is a good fit for you. And, I mean, there are some, these trips have varying levels of uh, physical activity and physical prowess. I mean, for example, if you want to go to Peru and climb Machu Picchu, you probably have to do uh, several months of training uh, before you decide to, uh, to, to, to climb a mountain. There's, you know, probably the, the, the mountain climbing version of Couch to 5K probably has to come into, uh, come into play there. But there are some other experiences that are just, I mean, just taking in nature and some of the sites that are just uh, uh, spectacular, like uh, the helicopter trip over Victoria Falls. Oh, it's fantastic. And I personally hiked the Inca Trail um, not too long ago, a few years ago. And it can be done at different levels because you can stretch the trip to be five days versus, you know, six or seven days if you want to do it at a slower pace. So those are things to consider, the amount of time to complete an adventure or even just the exposure. You'll be surprised. We have clients in their 60s and 70s that do very active itineraries, but we scale it to the degree of comfort for them. And they're also really fun for families to incorporate experiences where you're biking in the mountain reserves or you're kayaking near glaciers in Alaska. For example, Alaska itineraries are so popular for summer 2022. And people are looking for alternatives to explore by land and not necessarily by cruising. And you can do these types of trips independently, but they can be very complex both on the planning side and in terms of really knowing your whereabouts. So another alternative is to put together a small group or join an existing group where you have a guided experience from start to finish. Uh, this is rather appropriate since they found the uh, wreckage of uh, Shackleton's vessel uh, on the bottom of the ocean after uh, over 100 years. Uh, you can follow in Ernest Shackleton's steps and take a <laughs> tour of Antarctica. Absolutely. Antarctica is an incredible itinerary. It is very pricey, so it's something you want to plan a few years in advance, not only for the price, but also because of the availability. But there are different ways to explore Antarctica. Believe it or not, you can do it in a luxury vessel. You can incorporate charters. Or you can do it more rustic on an expedition cruise. And it's a great itinerary for all different types of ages, simply because you can incorporate the adventure on a different 
scale. Adventure doesn't necessarily mean you're climbing, you know, 10 to 20 miles. It can just mean you're in this environment where it just lends itself to that adventurousness and wildlife and scenery. So there's so many different ways to incorporate adventure into your travel. And as we know, national parks are so popular. They sell out a year in advance. So there are other ways to explore adventure off the beaten path. A lot of people come to us saying we want the national park experience and it might be a little bit too late for the planning. So the alternative would be, are there groups available? Groups oftentimes secure contracts with hotels near the national park. So it's a great way to join a group where the space is already available or there are alternatives to national parks that really allow for a very similar experience, but maybe not necessarily in a national park. Places like South America, Costa Rica, adventuring to um, places in Canada, Alaska. There's just so many destinations. So a lot of times with adventure, it's what do you want to do? Do you want to bike? Do you want to hike? Do you want to do a, a mix of different activities and less about the destination because there's so many destinations that you can choose from. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, the website travelbta.com. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, business travel is continuing its comeback. Conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The latest numbers show that more business people are traveling again. We welcome in Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. We talked about unorthodox indices data points about a half hour ago and uh, one unofficial index when it comes to business travel uh, I would like to call the I-190 index and our traffic reporters are noticing this as well, and that is uh, the traffic jams into O'Hare Airport early on Monday morning. It's a sign the road warriors are back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, this week, it's uh, we're getting more news, and this is really good news for the airlines that that you know there's there's general sense that business travel isn't going to be the same post pandemic because of virtual uh, meetings and so forth. But we're seeing some real life in that, and the new numbers show that big corporations are back to about 65% of pre-pandemic small uh, organizations, a little bit more. You know, some of that's pent-up demand, trips that were put off, but it's still good news. And how is this, uh, the, this, the, these, uh, this, this increased demand for business travel, how is that going to uh, coexist with the uh, new airline scheduling patterns, which I know we've talked about before? Uh, there have been some cutbacks, whether it's the result of uh, uh, crew illness due to Omicron or trying to save some money here and there because the price of jet fuel is tracking the price of oil. I mean, are, are there enough seats for this, uh, this, this renaissance in business travel? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, airlines have shifted, and we saw that mostly in the fall where they moved to kind of a permanent uh, a structure, more north-south travel to leisure points, more weekend flying. And for business travelers, that means fewer seats. And as that travel bounces back, we are seeing some pretty high fares. In fact, some organizations say they're paying more. We're going to budget more for business travel this year not because they're taking more trips, just because everything's got expensive. We were renting cars and hotels, and there were some estimates now at a medical conference, the average hotel cost was $1,000 a night. <laughs> so, so you're right that the, uh, the business travel is going to be affected by, 
supply some pretty high costs out there. At the same time, though, uh, this has got to be good for the leisure traveler as well, looking for a competitive fare, because in the old days, uh, the airline industry analyst said it was the uh, first class and business class fares that subsidized all of those uh, discount fares and back. Yeah, that's right. And airlines have moved to bigger airplanes uh, as leisure travel uh, uh, dominates. You know, they're cheaper to fly uh, big planes per seat. We have a couple of new guys out there. I mean, Spirit Airlines and Avalo are, are really keeping the big four, Delta United American and uh, Southwest, really honest on leisure fares. So, uh, but these high fuel prices, you know, we're going to see it takes a few months for those to really uh, translate into higher airfares. And we'll see if these fuel prices stay as high as they are because that's uh amid all the good news we're seeing with the man that's certainly a, a big cloud that's uh, that's covering the industry well thanks for joining us this afternoon joe schwederman professor of public services and director of the chaddock institute at DePaul university here in chicago you'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com and the odyssey app Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.